So they've got to spend time in the lives of their students. You know, at least for me, it has never been a job, you know, where I go in at eight and walk out at 3.30, you know. Hi, I'm Jessica. And I'm Girish. And this is the Destiny Benders podcast, where we explore the impact of international education on the lives of students and professionals from across the globe. It's a podcast for international educators, by international educators, and about international educators. And in each episode, we'll be meeting with Destiny Benders of our industry. We'll look beyond the job title and really get to know the people whose mission it is to change lives and bend destinies. Our guest today is Bridget Herrera, college counselor at the American International School in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Bridget, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, you two. Pleasure to be here. We're excited to have you on the podcast today, and I'm really interested to hear all about your journey to becoming a college counselor in Dhaka, because I think you've been to many different places prior to this and a college counselor in many other schools, and I'd love to hear about it. All right. Well, um, you know, considering I've worked 30 plus years in the industry, it's a rather long story, (laughs) but I'll try not to make it too long. But um, actually, my husband and I were living in northern New Mexico, rural northern New Mexico, when he got the itch for international travel and got a job um, in Lima, Peru at the American school there. Now, this was back in the 80s. And so when I was 21 with an 18-month-year-old, we moved to Lima, Peru, without any idea of what we were getting into. We, you know, for as much as I knew I'd be living in a place with a dirt floor, I had no idea. Ended up, you know, we had a lovely apartment and the facility, the school facility was amazing, as was the school. And so I had worked the um, previous years right out of high school in financial aid and admissions offices in both Laverne, California, and then northern New Mexico. So I was lucky enough to get the job as secretary to the college counselor in Lima, Peru, and learned a lot from her. And while I was there, she died. And so the next college counselor that came in, or the next counselor that came in, she wasn't into the college piece that much. And so I was able to, you know, unofficially step in a good bid. And we had a college board circuit rider coming through, uh, Betty Vermey from Bryn Mawr College. And we were talking and she said to me, Bridget, why aren't you the college counselor? And I thought to myself, why indeed? And so with a second baby and a third one on the way, we moved back to the U.S., um, so I could get my degree and um, we could return overseas with my husband as a teacher, administrator, and myself as the college counselor. And so four years later, we were back on the road and we 
where then spent six years in Guadalajara, Mexico, two years in Quito, Ecuador, and 17 years in Campinas, Brazil, prior to going to DACA. We decided to leave Brazil just because we knew, we felt we were ready for a change. Our daughter was working in Cairo, Egypt, and we visited there and just said, oh, wow, this feels so different. And we want that. And so um, we got we got the job. My husband got the job of head of school. I've always followed him. I was just lucky enough to find a position within the school. We always went because of his work. Um, so that was it in part. The other part I would say, which I was reflecting on just the other day, is that um, when we were in Lima, I lost a brother. He took his own life and he was, you know, just a troubled guy. And I'd, I wanted to be around to pay attention to youth, let them know somebody was caring about them and really thinking about back to my own teenage years, you know, I didn't have a counselor who was a bit interested in me. They had no thoughts about my destiny. So I just feel felt like, you know, just recognizing kids, you know, every day was a good way to spend my time. That is an amazing story and a journey, uh, Bridget. You know, you are a much admired and respected counselor around the world. Everybody looks up to you. And obviously, it's a clear reflection of all the work that you've done, all the people's lives you've touched. So it, it, it appears that, you know, that, you know, Bryn Mawr woman that came and said, why don't you? Right. How many times have you found yourself in a position where you're telling somebody, whether it's another counselor or university rep or more importantly, students along the way to say, why don't you do this or do that or consider this? I'd like to think it's often, you know, I do recognize how many opportunities I was given um, along the way. Um, And I would like to think that I've been a good mentor to others and make suggestions um, along the way about their careers, you know, giving little nudges here and there. And for students, of course, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. Just even the little things, you know, that you see in them in the hall, you know, just say, wow, you you are so dramatic. You've got to get into the theater class or something like that. But I do try to be aware of opportunities to encourage. I, I'm sure I don't see them all, but I do try. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that, I mean, I'm, you, I'm assuming, didn't grow up thinking I'm going to be a college counselor, right? It just oh, yeah. kind of happened, right? Yes. And so was there a, a goal you had or something that you thought about when you wanted to grow up and do something? Secretary, my claim to fame in high school was fastest typer. (laughs) (laughs) How many words a minute? Oh, like 120, something like that. You know, but that was it. That was my, one of my few claims to fame in high school was fastest typer. And I started working at 15 and a half as a secretary at the junior chamber of commerce. 
So I was getting that secretarial, you know, um, experience in bright and early. And I graduated on a Thursday and the following Monday, I started as secretary to director of financial aid at University of Laverne. That was it. That's all that was planned for me. And we thought that was plenty. So looking back at an illustrious career of 30 plus years, what is it? I mean, how do you feel? Well, I do feel very proud, of course, and so privileged because, like I said, there were always people along the way once I started giving me opportunities. You know, if it weren't for invitations to participate, you know, someone's someone just by someone saying, would you like to present with me? You know, that was encouragement, like, oh, wow, my first presentation was with Dale Ford. If you know him, like he's like, wow, an amazing presenter and professional. And I was really scared, but I thought, how can I pass this opportunity up, you know? And he was wonderful and it gave me a lot of confidence. And I sort of took the, you know, philosophy that like, if if you get the chance, take it. And so, you know, if someone said, oh, do you want to be on this committee? You know, do you want to speak here? Do you want to run for this office? It was always, sure, why not? You know, now I'm at the point in my um career where I'm really trying to step aside and say, look, there are so many other great professionals, you know, who have a voice and a more, I'll say, youthful voice, right? A more relevant voice um, and trying to step aside and give them the opportunity. Certainly in DACA, I'm asked sometimes, like my great friends at EdUSA to speak or something. I'm like, there are other fantastic Bangladeshi professionals that I'm sure kids would like to hear much more than me. So now I'm stepping away. Thinking back to your career and all the different moves that you've made from one country to another with your children, Mm -hmm. and I have children myself, and I've moved with my children several times and I internationally, and I know how hard that's been on them. And thinking about the kids who go to international schools, very often their parents are working in a career where every three, four years they're moving to another country, another international school, and your own children have also gone through this. Has that helped you in your counseling, not necessarily career counseling or or university counseling, but just relating to those kids because Uh, you're doing it, your children are doing it, and you're also working with children who are going through that that same thing? Oh, yeah. It has helped tremendously, you know, to to remember how the kids hurt. You know, even though I knew like eventually they would love wherever we were going, there were moments that definitely hurt. So I could relate to that. But I think also on a parent's level, it was very helpful, especially um, with younger parents, you know, who think they're making mistakes. And, you know, I'm like, no, you're not making mistakes. You're building a life for your family. It's really helped me a lot in parenting, the sort of parenting parents. (laughs) But I think just also I have stories to tell about my kids 
um, that they did and how they reacted and all. And that's always fun when I'm with other kids. Yeah, especially when you can relate to them so closely. Yeah. Right. But Jessica, I think it's all worth it. Keep dragging them about. My kids wouldn't have traded it for anything. I think if you ask my two right now, they they might disagree <laughs> at this point. But I know that I know as a parent that for them, what we've been doing will will set them in good stead for their futures and as adults. Right. They never wanted to leave, but it took them only days at the next place to go. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we're fine. So, Bridget, again, looking back at your career and how much the world has changed I can't, I can't even imagine how much the counseling profession has changed. What are some things that you reflect on when you, if you ever sit and think about all the things you've seen and done over the years? Oh, I do. I sit and reflect a lot. <laughs> Too much, I'm sure. Now, of course, I mean, back even in the 90s, it, like when I was in Mexico, I would travel to the U.S., with a suitcase full of envelopes at Christmas time of college applications, completed applications to take to the post office to mail. So, you know, there was that whole process that was all paper, you know, and we were typing applications and envelopes and geez, back in the 80s in Lima, Peru, you were sending off a letter to UTSA asking for an application, you know, and you'd wait for a month and then it would come. I mean, things have changed in that way. But I think even really these past couple of years, because it's exploded, you know, the number of applications that people are seeing and kids applying to so many more schools and even more countries. Um, It's been really hard to, firstly, for me, try to keep track of all the information. And I'm not so sure anymore. Like I used to feel so confident in what I knew and that I had the right information up here and that I was catching everything, you know, all the changes, but now it's just become so overwhelming. And because our admission rep friends are all so overwhelmed with additional apps to read, but also the different, you know, their late night, you know, webinars, middle of the night fairs, et cetera. People don't have the time to have that necessarily that personal conversation, you know, about a student or get excited, you know, about one applicant. Um, It's all gotten pretty big for me. And it worries me, you know, a lot of times like that I've, I'm not serving the student as well as I could have because I don't know everything I should about applying to that one school, you know. But that's a high standard to hold yourself to, Bridge. I mean, would you, can anybody know everything about anything at all? Yeah, well, and I'm sure I didn't before, but perhaps it felt like it. Uh-huh. Or or there was less to know. You know, they didn't have as many programs. 
you know, there wasn't which IB math class do they want if they decide to do commerce and things like that. I mean, all these little things, it's a lot. I mean, at least I want to be able to even be able to think like, hey, kid, you know, you'd better check into this. But sometimes I don't even know what I don't know. And I think you you hit upon a good point there, actually, whereas maybe many years ago, it used to be the U.S. was probably the largest destination for your students or maybe the U.K., possibly Canada. Now, so many other countries are also actively institutions in those countries are actively recruiting international uh, or students internationally. So Germany is a destination, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, um, Switzerland. Aside from the UK, Canada, the United States. So you're right. right. There's so many more destinations that your students are possibly looking at for their university career. And it, it must be, as you said, overwhelming. Well, it is. Um, I, I feel, you know, a duty to expose them to these possibilities. And Likewise, I feel a duty to my colleagues who work in those countries at universities to do so because they're working hard too. They're doing their job. So those pressures that I feel, I guess one thing though that does give me some, um, a bit of calm is our community. And I tell this to parents all the time. Last night I did my grade 11 parent orientation, I said, there is so much I don't know, but I have so many colleagues who will. And so if there's a question you have, and I don't know the answer, I'm going to find somebody who will. And I mean, our colleagues in this profession are just fantastic that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of out of follow up to that, um, the rise of these different ed tech platforms that help with international student recruitment or applications or admissions, or, you know, there's in the past, probably five years, the number of platforms that you as a college counselor and us as a university admissions people have access to, or trying to get access to, to help with this whole process has exploded do you find that there, that's helpful or a hindrance that there are all these new ways and platforms of students applying to universities and, and them supposedly helping? I, it's a hindrance for me, I think. You know, um, we, we have a platform that we use at school, you know, a portal to help us manage the information, the student applications and their documents and all. And there are some out there that I think, you know, are quite good. But the thing is, um, I'll say at least they're probably really great, too, for students who don't have counselors. Mm -hmm. Um, But at my school, the students do have me. And I'll tell you, the the kids are so, so busy that the take to take the time to investigate, you know, these other possibilities, other ways of applying and all, I think it's not a good use of their time. So I am not actively sharing that as a rule. I I will say that now that I say that, you know, the fair part, yes, you know, webinars and fairs, I want them there. 
but in terms of somebody else helping them with the application and all, that's what I'm there for. And I feel I know the students so much better. So there, there are pieces to those that I, those platforms and all that like are super helpful when there is a fair, um, but maybe other kinds of help, not as much. You know, Bridget, you talk about the counselor community that we have, the, you know, the wonderful colleagues that we have around the world. Now, those who are just starting off in this career, what are some pieces of advice that you have for them, especially given the changes that we're seeing afoot right now with the pandemic, with technology? What would be a few things that you would want them to know and to focus on? Well, always put their student first, you know, the best interest of the student that has to be first and foremost. And I feel like if they really find ways to connect and get to know their students, they will be able to assist them in finding the best fit. So they've got to spend time in the lives of their students. You know, at least for me, it has never been a job, you know, where I go in at eight and walk out at 3.30. You know, I'm at their games and their plays and all. You want to see what they're like. And of course, since I was a parent, like I had kids come and stay in my home and, you know, things like that. But I would say just really trying to be involved in their lives will help them do their job much better. And then just treat everybody the same because that person who is admission officer at a university they've never heard of today could be at Big H in the future. Who knows? So I'm curious, going back to, um, you know, your travels, working at international schools, uh, largely in Latin America, Mm -hmm. and you said you visited your daughter in Egypt and thought, wow, this is different, and which led you to make the change to where Mm -hmm. you are in Dhaka now. Do you think you'll, you've been there for a number of years, as far as I know, right? Six. And and six years. So do you think you'll make another, another move and hit another totally different country and work in another school or are you going to settle there for a while? Nope. Next year is it. Next year is it? Is this that retirement? We'll, yes. We'll and, retire. Yeah. What does your retired life look like, Bridget? Well, it's a good question and one we like to talk about a lot. Probably, you know, our first choice is Porto, Portugal. Nice. To live like maybe for five years or so. We love it there. But we also love like San Diego, California, you know. Um, and then we have a daughter who is in North Carolina, and that might be where grandchildren will one day be. So we're still keeping it open right now, not 100% sure. We, if, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I feel certain we would have purchased a retirement home already in Portugal. But, you know, it happened and we never got back there. So we're going this summer to look to see if we still feel the magic and 
And who knows, you know, after a year or so, my husband might decide to take an interim position or something like that. And that would be really cool. Like, you know, just imagine like, oh, come stay nine months in Beirut. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Miss my arm, why don't you? (laughs) Yeah, that would be amazing. Amazing. You, You see you can get away from the counseling world? It's going to be very hard. Actually, like I know my husband is hoping I will. I think because I've heard him tell family members many times, oh, mom has her last conference this summer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Plenty of people go when they're retired. I am not going to be missing those. I don't know. Um, If I found a way to be helpful, I don't want perhaps for a while, at least a lot of responsibility, (laughs) but if I was found a way to like mentor others, then that I would be super happy to do to remain connected. Like with my community here in DACA, we have a group of counselors and they have just lit up my life. And I sure hope you do, Bridget. I mean, like I said earlier, uh, you're very respected and admired and and the experience and the knowledge and the expertise that you have is so needed um, in our world. So I hope you continue to do that. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears to a little bit more of a lighter uh, side of things. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard on our previous podcast, but we like to end on some quick and you know, a quick fire questions i know um, let I'll me just tell you i don't have a favorite anything so <laughs> i too i've been around too long but i will play i will play nice <laughs> well, well let's play at least favorite then <laughs> no oh no that'd be bad uh, no, you have traveled quite a bit. You lived in yes. so many different places. Uh, obviously, you've exper- expressed your desire to move to Porto and, mm-hmm. and Portugal. But of all the places, what's been your favorite place to visit? Oh, gosh, that is so hard. Like, for to, that left me in awe had to have been like Machu Picchu mm-hmm. or someplace in Egypt. But probably one of my happiest places is Rio de Janeiro. There you go. So you do have some favorites. Well, yeah, for the second. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have a question that's not about favorites. Oh. What book are you reading right now? And you would you recommend it? Gosh, that's a little embarrassing because I, well, because I'm not in reading a book right now. In fact, I just finished um, a book recently and I can't even tell you the name, but um, it it was by Rosamond Pilcher. So I was looking for something very, very light. You know, sometimes you just need to distract your brain Mm -hmm. and British countryside and I'm going to be visiting a daughter there. And so it was on my iPad and I thought, I'm going to read that. So nothing at the moment, which is a little embarrassing. I totally understand because when I want to read a book to distract my mind, I read Clive Cussler. Have you ever heard of Clive Kessler? No. <laughs> They're adventure stories that take place on the high seas. Oh, <laughs> I no, actually I, really love them. Really? That's it's awesome. great. Well, I have been listening to a really cool um, podcast, though, recently. 
Destiny Tenders. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> nice shout out right there. Thanks, Bridget. All right. My final one is what are your hobbies? Well, travel, of course, eating and drinking good food and wine, yeah. gardening. I do like to garden. I don't have much of one, um, but I do enjoy gardening very much. I love to dance. That I've seen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love to dance. And, you know, I work hard. I work a lot. Um, and in general, I enjoy it very much. But I'll have to work on hobbies, right? For the future. Got to pick up well, some gardening. Golf. Sounds like a fun hobby to do in Porto. Oh, yeah, it is. And the eating and drinking. Yeah. So you talk about eating and I'm a big eater. I love food. If you could have any meal right now, what would you have? Oh, man, I couldn't possibly say. I mean, right now, a bit of like curry sounds good. Probably something New Mexican. Mm. So we spend a lot of time from in New Mexico. So New Mexican enchiladas or something like that, but very distinctly New Mexican. Bridget, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. It's been really fun. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for inviting me and giving me this um, opportunity. No, so good to see you, Bridget. Uh, it's been it's been a long time, right? We don't get to see each other at the conference. I know. I need a big garish hug. You've been listening to Destiny Benders. In the next episode, Girish and I speak with John Wilkerson, Associate Vice President for International Services at Indiana University in the United States. Mm-hmm.